0: From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm your host, Patrick Brady, and each week we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. This week is a tandem episode, and my guest is sports scientist and Scratch Labs founder, Alan Lim. Last summer, at a point when many of us weren't really thinking about fueling for long days in the saddle, Scratch Labs introduced a new product called Superfuel, which, unlike their previous drink mixes provided all the fueling needs an athlete on the move requires. Knowing Lim's previous philosophy on high-calorie drinks, I wanted to talk to him about it. And given that some of us, me included, are beginning to line up for events, I thought I should get him on Skype and have a chat and ask him, what gives? With that, I welcome Alan Lim to the Paceline. How are you? I'm good. Uh, I'm tore up. Uh Yeah, I just spent a weekend up in uh, Mendocino. Um, Uh Let's see, August of 2018, uh, Miguel, the guy who puts on the Grasshopper Adventure Series, did a two-day grasshopper. We rode from Ukiah to Fort Bragg and then Fort Bragg back to Ukiah. Two different routes. Oh, wow. Each day was about 80 miles and about 8,000 feet of climbing.
1: Okay, gotcha.
0: Now— In in August of 2018, I was not in great shape, but I was in we'll call acceptable shape. I finished, yeah. But day one, I was seventh from last, and day two, I was fifth from last. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I I just did that. Yeah. Recreated it uh, with a couple of friends. I didn't finish yesterday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: It was so. My quads are sore in a way they have never been in my cycling life. <laughs> oh
1: man, you don't? Totally, yeah, you went for it. Holy shit. I,
0: I, well, and the thing was like, I tried to, you know, I'm, I'm not, well, I can't say I'm not stupid, but I'm not that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so oh, I tried goodness. to like dose my effort. You know, I took, uh-huh. I took the gravel bike with the lowest gears that I have. Yeah. You know, but, oh man. Uh, I should send you the route profile uh, for yesterday's ride. Yeah, because there was a descent in it that you're simply not going to believe.
1: Yeah, it's just gnarly, eh?
0: Well, I mean, like I've got a hundred mil dropper post on one of my gravel uh-huh. bikes. Uh-huh. I still walked sections of the descent.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's so cray cray.
0: It it was insane, but it was it was wonderful. Uh, nice. We made three batches of portables. For the trip uh, oh nice baked pasta uh-huh. uh that's that's truly one of my all-time faves uh um, yeah and then we did a, a polenta one and uh-huh. uh we did the uh uh the rice balls or, or yeah. rice whatever's with uh peach and coconut
1: okay nice yeah yeah
0: um
1: that's awesome you're well fueled at least you got you know
0: absolutely i ate nothing else while we were on the bike and yeah you know it's funny when we did scratch camp what was that 2014 yeah yeah um i at that i remember going into that thinking man whenever i try to re- eat real food on events uh-huh. my stomach goes sideways i don't know about yeah. this yeah. um and i want to say probably two years more went by before i sat you know went into the kitchen and made a yeah. couple batches and found out, yeah. oh, no, it really it really does work. And yeah. now whenever I do something big, there's uh, three or four hours in the kitchen beforehand.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real food. Shit. Yeah. yeah. It does work. I mean, I wasn't necessarily trained to think so either, you know, from my academic or physiology background, because you think that a liquid carbohydrate it's just going to be so much easier to absorb etc but um you know at least with the on the pro tour anecdotally that's what i learned as well right that came from experience and then after that experience i started to kind of figure out what the science was behind it right mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. why that was the case um yeah it's been interesting right always learning
0: well, you know, that's the neat thing. I mean, you know, people like to talk about growth mindset and all that, but yeah, it's, you know, if you go into something thinking about, well, I need to have a growth mindset, it, that's not really the thing. It's the curiosity. It's yeah. the quest to be better. Uh, yeah. and that's certainly one of the things I've enjoyed about, you know, talking with you over <laughs> the years. Um, no, thank you. Yeah. You know, uh,
1: I continue yeah. to always tell- trying to get better. Always, always curious, right. Always trying to figure it out. Well,
0: I mean the the day that the world stops being interesting, that's yeah. you know I it's all over. Yeah, I tell people yeah. you know when I wake up one day and I don't have anything else to write, get yeah. the pine box ready.
1: Yeah, no doubt, right? You know? No doubt. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I hear yeah. you.
0: So, uh, I will say that I didn't see the news about Superfuel when Mm -hmm. you released it last summer um, for the simple reason that, you know, with, with the pandemic, I wasn't thinking about big, long events. Um, Yeah. I wasn't doing, you know, five hours of anything. Um, And so I, I flat out missed it. Plus I'd ordered, I'd done a big order of your stuff like in May or June. So I didn't need to stock up. So I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't looking at the emails. And now that like, (laughs) uh, as we, we're talking about at the very beginning of the call, I'm starting to do some real miles again uh, and I needed to place an order. And then I found the email and it's like, wait, what the, and here's the thing. I remember when I was at scratch camp with you back in 2014, you know, your favorite whipping boy was maltodextrin.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, you know, when you said that, I remember going, Oh yeah, okay, that's why my stomach goes sideways. Okay. All yeah. right. I should yeah. not be drinking that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so st- here I am looking at this email saying, you know, we we've got super fuel, everything you need yeah. in a bottle. And I'm like, wait a second, yeah. not this guy, any other guy, not this <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. So uh now I've read up on it, but you know, for our listeners on the pace line, you know, just walk us through uh, how it got started and what makes this particular Dextrin, uh, different yeah. from other
1: Dextrins. Sure. Sure. So, you know, I think that in most of my career, one of the biggest bottlenecks that I faced uh, with athletes was that they would get GI distress, right. And these super long, hard events, training, racing, etc. Mm-hmm. And it was at that time that, um, I realized that a lot of the high calorie drink solutions out there were part of the issue. That, you know, they would drink a lot of calories at one time, they would start to get a bad gut, and everything would go sideways. And so, what I did at the time to solve that problem was I reverted back towards a lower simple sugar drink mix with Mm -hmm. ample amount of sodium to help with water transport and uh, to help primarily with hydration. And then I started cooking a lot of food, primarily these little onigiri or sushi rice cakes for the athletes. And we found, I think, through some trial and error that this uh, real food um, plus lower calorie drink mix Ended up keeping them hydrated and allowing them to feel better without a lot of GI distress. And at the time, I wasn't so interested in why it was working. I just was happy that it worked. But as we started to scratch and as I wrote the Feed Zone cookbooks, I started realizing that a big part of why I think that that solution worked was that, one, you kept a drink mix at a very low molecular concentration, at a lower molecular concentration than blood. And the small intestine is effectively a selectively permeable membrane. Mm -hmm. And water likes to move across a selectively permeable membrane from an area of... A lower molecular concentration to an area of higher molecular concentration. Molecular concentration is based upon the number of things, number of solutes in a solution or in mm-hmm. water. It's not based upon the mass or the calories or the size or the structure. It's just the number of things. And so when we talk about the number of things or molecular concentration, we use a term called osmolality. Um, so mm-hmm. you could have, you know, um, some really big fat carbohydrate molecules you know, but there could only be five of them, right? And that puts the same amount of uh, pressure on the gut as, say, five simple sugar molecules. And so it seems to make sense that, well, let's just put the bigger, heavier carbohydrate molecule in solution. We maintain a low molecular concentration. um, We allow water to pass, but we also get more calories. But what I think a lot of people forget to think about is that the that osmolality or molecular concentration is dynamic inside of the gut Mm -hmm. based upon digestion. So if you have a complex carbohydrate that digests too fast, while it might be fine before you drink it and it might look like you have this very light solution or this low osmolality solution, by the time it starts to uh, digest in the gut, if it digests too fast, you basically get a Trojan horse. You get a bunch of little molecules coming into solution I like that how increases you put that. the yeah you, that increases the osm- increases the osmolality in real time inside the intestinal lumen, and that's what can cause a lot of GI distress. So, um, you know what 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 happens with a simple sugar solution is that it's already digested. So what you see is what you get. It doesn't change osmolality when it's in the gut, and then when you're eating um, a food it takes time for that food to digest, right? It's got to go in the stomach. It's got to break apart and liquefy in the stomach. And then those complex carbohydrates have to break apart into simple glucose units or sugar units. And as long as the absorption of those sugars can match the delivery or the the, the, the digestion of those sugars, then you're good, mm-hmm. right? But once, once you reach a point where effectively... The delivery exceeds your gut's ability to absorb. That's when you can get some problems. That's when water can flow into the intestinal lumen. That's when you can start to feel some of that bloating. And in the worst case scenario, that's when you can get some exercise associated diarrhea. Right, because yeah. diarrhea is effectively water going all the way down the pipe through the back end, uh, which is something that can happen, you know, during prolonged endurance activity. And something we certainly never want to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the things that I, I found with maltodextrin and why it started to really bother me was that on a nutrition label, maltodextrin kit is listed as a complex carbohydrate. It's not listed as a sugar. And anything with more than three glucose units linked together is considered to be a complex carbohydrate, right? So you have your simple sugars like glucose, like fructose, like galactose. you have your um, disaccharides like sucrose, which is cane sugar, which is one part sucrose, one part glucose or maltose, which is glucose and glucose, or, you know, even say lactose, which is a glucose molecule and a galactose molecule. Those are all considered sugars. Mm-hmm. Once you get past two sugars, you get three sugars. This is where you start to get more complex carbohydrates, but there's a big difference between a molecule that has three glucose units that make it up versus one that has say, you know, 100 or 500. And when you look at these long, complex, highly branched carbohydrates, like corn or rice, or even a potato, what we would normally eat as food, Mm -hmm. pasta, wheat, et cetera, you're looking at molecules that have between 100 to maybe even uh, 500 glucose molecules, right? And what I started to find was that Uh, with most malto that I tested, over-the-counter malto, it ranged between five and at most 15 glucose molecules. So these were considered to be or marketed as long-chain polysaccharides, but compared to food, they were actually quite small, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that because they were smaller, it didn't take as much time for them to all blow apart or digest in the gut. And so you think that you're safely putting in a lot of calories into a liquid solution to drink. But then once it enters your stomach and your gut, it blows apart from, you know, say 15, mole- you know, one molecule to 15 molecules mm-hmm. and you've got some some issues. So, you know, that being said, uh, there was still a lot of com- complaint or request for a liquid carbohydrate from us Mm -hmm. and i knew that i couldn't build it with malto because it just wouldn't work but you know as most things happen in both science and and in the world there are innovations and there were some big innovations um uh, with a company in japan who started making this highly branched cyclic dextrin And what was really unique about this particular complex carbohydrate was that one, it was pretty large, about 60 to 70 glucose subunits. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two, it wasn't all linked up into one long chain. It was linked up into uh, like a choo-choo train with a bunch of branches and it looped back on itself like a Christmas wreath. So this was a very complex branch structure Mm -hmm. that was kind of, if you looked at it under a microscope, would be like a Christmas wreath. And that structure combined with its size uh, slowed down uh, the digestion and it broke apart more slowly. But that structure also allowed it to still be highly soluble in solution and water so that you would not have something that was gritty or that you had to shake all the time or where the carbohydrate would fall out of solution. So oh, okay. you have very you have very complex carbohydrates out there like waxy cornstarch, which is a very large carbohydrate, probably a hundred plus glucose units. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's highly unsoluble and, and if you use those products you just find that it kind of like cornstarch just falls out of solution and it kind of piles up into a bit of a paste, right? On the Never bottom. had
0: that happen, no, no, yeah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, we found in this in this new carbohydrate structure, this highly branched cyclic dextrin, a bit of a Goldilocks situation where it was large enough to break down slowly, um, more similar to real food, but um, still quite soluble, right? And Mm -hmm. the other thing that, that, that was interesting was that it was very consistent molecule. Like when I test maltodextrin over the counter, the, there's a huge variability in the number of glucose links that you find, you know, as low as three, as high as 15, and it's not consistent. Even within one product? Within one product. Yeah. And that's, that's mostly a manufacturing issue. It's really, really hard to, um, you know, make the stuff and make it consistent in size. Right, because you're you are taking effectively corn or some sort of wheat or some sort of food, and you're breaking it down a little bit, right? Uh-huh. And it's imperfect, it's not precise, it doesn't all cook exactly the same. Uh, but highly branched cyclic dextrin was very consistent. It's a really unique technology in that it's 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 an ode to kind of where we are with biotechnology. It's an ode to where we are with even the, say the mRNA vaccine, where we can now you know, very easily synthesize certain proteins and enzymes, right? So um, the way that highly branched cyclic dextrin is made is that it uses something called branching enzyme. And branching enzyme is an enzyme found inside muscle. And it is the enzyme as we eat food, say after a workout, and insulin is released, which then pulls glucose into that muscle. Mm -hmm. Then branching enzyme links up those glucose units into a really complex structure called glycogen, right? Yep. And also glycogen is obviously important for our performance and it's branching enzyme that links these glucose units together into that glycogen molecule. And for perspective, a glycogen molecule might be up to a thousand glucose units linked together. Okay. So you have carbohydrates of very different structures, of very different um sizes and you go from the your simple monosaccharides you know glucose fructose galactose to your disaccharides sucrose you know lactose uh, maltose you go up to these maltodextrins which are you know three to five um you get up to highly branched cyclic dextrin, 60 to 70 glucose units. You get up to real food, a kernel of rice that might be 400, 500 glucose units. And then you get up to glycogen, which is maybe a thousand, even 5,000 glucose units. Wow. Right. So um, this recombinant technology of making branching enzyme has allowed us to now make carbohydrate structures that look a lot more like muscle glycogen. And I think that's As the technology improves, we're going to see continued innovation um, and and where we are able to make soluble carbohydrate molecules uh, that drink really, really easily but break apart more like real food. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that when we realized that this was available and we started testing it with athletes, it was about curiosity and open-mindedness saying, hey, if we can actually – have our cake and eat it too. Um, If we can, you know, satisfy the segment of the population that is going so hard that they don't have time to eat real food. Mm -hmm. They're maybe mountain biking and they can't take their hands off the handlebars. They're bike racers who want, you know, uh, a combination of liquid calories as well as real food calories. (laughs) It seemed like a no-brainer to experiment, to try. And when we were satisfied to come out, on the market
0: with the product. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that really surprised me. You know, watching the video uh, that you produced with Gwen Jorgensen, uh, yeah. who, as I understand it, was the real catalyst for this. She was.
1: That's
0: right. Uh, you know, it's one thing, it's like I, I see you're producing this drink mix, and it's like, well, it's sort of a repudiation for, for someone who hasn't bothered to read yet. It's a repudiation of everything you've been preaching for as long as That's I've right. known you.
1: Uh, that's right. So that's it was right. like,
0: wait, 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 hold, time out. But then, yeah, w- once the particular problems that Gwen Jorgensen was facing, going yeah. so hard that the chewing is just not an option. That's right. That's when it fell into place. So, yeah, that's right. That's
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's right. I think that it was um one always wanting to solve problems. And two, being really open-minded about what that solution was, which then led us to find the right carbohydrate molecule, and not being closed off to the fact that um, maltodextrin is wasn't the right solution. Just because maltodextrin wasn't the right solution, didn't mean that there couldn't be something out there. At least that was my 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 optimism, my hope. And we mm-hmm. were lucky enough to be able to 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 find the right molecule. And we continue to now work on. Uh, See what we can do to, to, to continue pushing the envelope there. So it's been, ex- it's super exciting for me. I think that context matters, right. And the context of solving the problem with the tools that you have at the time is super important. And mm-hmm. when I was on the pro tour, I was solving the problem with the tools that I had on hand and, you know, uh, uh perhaps bashing the tools that didn't work. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, over time, I think the tools, the tools evolve, and so it's kind of interesting. I think that you see a lot of this in technology too. You know, the ARM chip that that Apple is coming out with that used to be considered to be uh, a type of you know chip architecture that was only suitable for smaller, simple devices, right? Yeah. And you know, now Intel is just taking it up the the Yahoo because. <laughs> yeah, you know, they missed the boat on, on on that technology. They never wanted to invest in it because they thought these you know other chips were more important. S- same kind of situation. I think you always have to be open minded to to possibility.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know it's it was great for me to watch that video uh, because then I w- yeah you were talking about context. Uh, I was able yep. to see that you know most grasshoppers that I do and a lot of the bike monkey events that I do around here. Uh, you know, you you spend some time on the road riding in a straight line. Eating is an yeah. option. Um, yeah. But the mountain bike races that I do, uh, and mm. I'm not calling myself a racer anymore. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. Uh, but I still go out and I go as hard as I'm able. Um, I I think about some of those courses that I've done, trying to take a hand off the bar to grab some chews or a yeah. gel or or you know even a portable. Um, Yeah. Not realistic, generally. Not for me. Um, Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: And so the idea that I could have all the calories that I need in a hydration pack and all I have to do is get that stupid bite valve to my mouth. That is something I can manage. You know, me with my limited coordination, I can pull that stuff off.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, you you mentioned them. That's really important. This is about activities where you're going hard enough that eating real food is not an option and heart is relative, right? <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I think that while I initially thought that this product was only going to be a product for the very elite athletes who needed to consume a lot of calories, the feedback that we've been getting is that it helps anyone who who needs access to any level of, of, of you know, caloric content, but just can't, you know, chew. Mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm can't put mouth to hand to get that food in. Right. Right.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. There have certainly been, there have been times where I could have chewed, but getting the thing to chew to my mouth was just unrealistic given the terrain.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing that we've been finding, and this is feedback from our athletes and our customers is that it also works really well in the, um, when you don't always have a lot of time, to get your calories in Uh there are certain sections of road etc that you can feed or that are appropriate for feeding or there's attacks going off and you know if you were using maltodextrin in liquid form and you were the gatekeeper and you're able to trickle that stuff in very consistently every five minutes get mm-hmm. a little bit in get a little bit in get a little bit in you know I, I think that you could avoid GI distress that would be another solution to the problem okay but most people tend to gulp this stuff at once right um, and yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you, you end up creating a scenario where the highway could potentially handle a hundred ca- cars in an hour but you're trying to put a hundred cars in at the same time during rush hour, and that's when you get the traffic jam, right? Okay. Uh-huh. When you get maybe, you're trying to force too many molecules that, that that can get through at one given point in time. Because this stuff digests a little more slowly, uh, a lot of athletes have found that they can really bring up their blood sugar by even onboarding a bunch of calories, 50, 80 grams of, of carbohydrate right as they begin the activity, right? Like right as they leave the start line and that keeps them a little more even and brings up their blood sugar a little more than it would uh, without it, you know? Wow. And, and that's been pretty neat too. So, you know, the the propensity for making mistakes uh, with your timing strategy uh, is is buffered a little bit.
0: Right, right. Because I remember yeah. those occasions where I was using a really heavy drink mix. If I tried to take down uh, half a bottle, uh, while we're in a relatively calm moment, um, there was going to be a debt to be paid a little later.
1: That's right. That's right. And I think the same thing happens with say a gel, It's a lot of simple sugar. It's a lot at one time. Mm -hmm. It certainly works if you were to nurse it a little bit, but in a lot of competitive situations, um, it's hard to nurse it. Right. And even in training, we yeah. forget to, to, to nurse it. We just want to get it in when we get it in and hope that we're good for the next 30 minutes or in the next hour or so. Mm hmm. hmm. Right? Now,
0: one thing you've talked about that I'm a little curious about, uh, yeah. you're offering this in two flavors, lemon, lime yeah. and raspberry. Um yeah. It, you know, I had never really encountered, you know, because I wasn't doing, you know, nine hours on the bike or eight hours on the bike consistently. I yeah. never had personally problems with flavor fatigue. Yeah. And so I'm curious, uh, how how strong is the taste in this? You know, wh- what did you settle on this, yeah. this way?
1: we settled on uh i think the far side of being very very light so this is actually a lighter product in terms of taste than our regular sports drink Um, really yeah i think that our regular sports drink is for sure more sweet Mm -hmm. and um you know still lightly flavored with respect to the fruit this is lightly flavored with respect to the fruit but we do two things one is that um it's a complex carbohydrate, so the sweetness is, is going to be lower. Uh, we added some fructose back, which, is, uh, which helps to balance the glucose. You have an ability to transport both glucose and fructose via two transporters in the small intestine. And so by adding some fructose, you have another mechanism by which to absorb carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. But what we found is that if we added too much fructose... Um, at that concentration, at say 100 grams of carbohydrate or 400 calories in a bottle, it would get sludgy and it wouldn't stay soluble. The, the fructose would, would would cause it to thicken up quite a bit. So we uh, brought down the fructose and we relied more heavily on this being a complex uh, carbohydrate that, that feeds the body primarily glucose, right? Um, so that's different from our sports drink, which really tries to maximize that glucose to fructose ratio with a more balanced glucose to fructose ratio for faster absorption of the simple sugars. Mm -hmm. But since this is more complex and breaking down uh, a little more slowly, there didn't seem to be the need to do so at that level of calorie. And if we did, it would get sludgy. So net-net, all of those factors coalesce into a lighter uh, drink mix. Um, And you know, at 400 calories, you're getting the same amount of salt as you do in a regular sports drink. Um, but you could certainly use it lighter and while you might be getting, um, not as much sodium, you would be getting, you know, still a lot of calories, but without a lot of risk for GI distress, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Cool. So yeah, we're, we're continuing to formulate for different scenarios and, you know, playing with this carbohydrate. We'll, we'll see what, what comes in the future, but it's been a, it's been kind of a fun evolution and, you know, in some ways uh, a bit of humble pie as well. Uh,
0: yeah. Okay. Uh, One last question. Uh, So often, you know, I'd see uh, other athletes who would have, you know, uh, a bottle of mix and then a bottle of plain water and some food, you know, because they really hadn't established a great ratio of one to the other. And so they're always trying to balance on the fly. Uh, Is this a product that you're going to advocate? Like, this is what you're doing for the race? Or are you uh, for people who are in a situation where, where they might still be able to eat some, you're gonna have maybe a bottle of super fuel, a bottle of scratch, yeah. and yeah. maybe a couple portables in a pocket.
1: Yeah, I, I think it really just depends on, on what you're building, you know, and certain tools can be really flexible and can do a lot. And there's a lot of overlap between a lot of different tools. So you could, you know, use a crescent wrench or you could buy the specific size wrench that you need, right? And <laughs>
0: Nicely, yeah. Uh, you know,
1: the, the overlap, I think, is really up to the consumer. And I think that's what makes me um, really happy to have this product out is that it just creates more options. Granted, that could create more confusion and granted, it could create more uh variables and more possibilities um we have seen everything you've just described we've seen in situations like um you know uh in flanders where betty all you know use only that drink because he had eight you know 400 calorie bottles over the course of that you know seven hour day uh, wow. that, that he won right and that was just he was racing he was going hard the whole time that's all he had time for. He didn't want to think about anything else. I think the other big contributing factor is temperature. It was really cold that day. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a need to hydrate a lot, right? And so he could balance the fueling with the amount of water that he was taking on board. Whereas if you get into a day like the Tour de France, for example, Mm -hmm. you could be consuming 100 grams worth of carbohydrate in liquid form using our regular sports drink, which is very, very simple, only because... You're going to find yourself in a situation where you, where these athletes might be drinking three, maybe four bottles an hour, right? 20 bottles in a, mm-hmm. in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, on hotter days where your need for liquid is greater, water is greater, salt is greater, but your caloric need is the same. Well, yeah, going to a simple sugar works really good for that situation. Cold days, hydration is not as important, but calorie – calories still are Mm -hmm. right that's where this more complex liquid fuel and then you add to the fact that there is just breaking up the monotony and having variety on your plate and some athletes like having a combination of a savory salty rice cakes with some drink mix and then occasionally they find themselves coming into a climb they're like oh shit it's game on like donkey kong i need to (laughs) load up for this segment Mm -hmm. and they'll drink a whole bottle you know at, at at 50 to 100 grams of carbohydrate just to make sure their, their blood sugar stays up for that entirety of that hard climb. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think it does come down to personal preference. I think that it comes down to the context of the situation and it comes down to what you have available and what's convenient for you. So if you don't have time for those rice cakes and you don't have a staffer, so on yours, this could be very well be the most simple solution, the most mm-hmm. practical and convenient solution. Wow. Very cool. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, I just placed an order for a bunch of your stuff last week. It sounds like I'm going back online later today.
1: Yes. <laughs> Give it a shot. Let me know what you think. Yeah. You know, and, I look you know, forward questions, to Questions, thoughts, you know, uh, we learned a lot when we were developing this with Gwen and the EF writers, mm-hmm. uh, but we continue to learn a lot from our customers now today. And it's all of that feedback that continues to allow us to evolve and improve and come up with the best solution we can for the time. Very cool, man. Thank you for the time. It's always a pleasure. Very welcome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you.
0: I want to thank our guest, Alan Lim, for joining me on the PaceLine Tandem. You can learn more about him and Scratch Labs at scratchlabs.com. There will be a link in our show notes. That's a wrap for this show. I hope you've enjoyed it, and if you have, I hope you'll leave the show a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady, inviting you all to enjoy the ride. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.